Oh, man, I, I tell you, uh, anytime we know that we're going to be speaking about men and women, you just know you're going to have some fun, don't you? Because we are so unbelievably different. Um, proof in point, uh, this week, Christian, uh, who's speaking up at North Campus, uh, was looking at the passage in Ephesians, you know, where wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, and husbands are supposed to love their wives as a church. And so he got on Facebook, and he put out there, he said, hey, uh, women, I'd just love to know uh, how you feel about that passage, just if you have any insight or any thoughts about, you know, the whole idea of, of submitting to, to your husband. And he said within five hours, he had like 20 responses, and some of them pretty lengthy and deep and stuff. So he's like, man, that's great. So then he goes, guys, why don't you share with me now what, it, what you feel like it means to love what your wives as you love the church? How many responses? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> not a one. Uh, there were some guys who, who uh, replied to the submitting on your wife thing, but, uh, but, uh, but just case in point, I mean, response is flooding in and, and then the guys don't even do it. Um, we, are, we are so different in the way that we're wired. This is, this, as we think about marriage today, um, I think this is really good too. Krishna said this, he goes, uh, somebody had t- shared this with him. When men marry, they hope she stays the same and she changes. <laughs> When women marry, they hope he'll change, and he stays the same. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, man, we, we go into this thing. We all enter marriage um, with these desires. We all enter marriage with these great expectations of what it's going to be like. That's why we do it. I mean, we found the person that's going to make our life more complete, that's going to make it more thrilling, more exciting, more fulfilling. And um, I know for me, you know, when I married Suze and we got together, I mean, first time I met her, I mean, she's this outdoor adventure girl. I mean, I could just tell she loved to go for it and give her life away. She'd been in full-time ministry, you know, for nine years. I know that she just, she loves people and she wanted to engage. And there were so many things like, man, when we get married, it's going to be awesome. And we got married and she slipped into depression immediately. I thought that would be funny, actually. But, uh, you know, so, but it was wild. It's like, we, we get married, and all of a sudden, seriously, there was so much change that took place in our life that this adventure girl wasn't there. And all of a sudden, this, this other person who was going to be, you know, with me and, and enjoy me just couldn't find the energy uh, to be able to do it. You know, see, and as soon as that happens, we go, oh, wait a second, um, I don't know if that was in the contract, right? When I said my vows, let's see, was depression in there? Nope, it wasn't in there. You know, I mean, we want to try and find things out because we're saying, man, I have some expectations here. I have some desires here. And this is why I actually entered the marriage. And I just want to say, I I think um, many of us do. One of our desires is this kind of a sense that maybe if I get married, and if you're single here today, you might be sitting there thinking this today. If I could get married, then I could be complete. (laughs) That somehow that my spouse will, will complete me in a certain way. That there's something missing in our life. And I... What I want to share with you guys today is it's not so much that your spouse will complete you, okay, but that together you can be completely united. Not that they're going to complete you, but that together you can be completely united. Now, um, if you've been hanging out with us uh, uh, lately, we've been promoting this series. Today is the uh, first one in a series called Seven. And uh, we've had this number seven up for the last month of January all over the place. And people were asking us, what's that about? And we wouldn't tell anybody. And, but here, here's what it is. Anybody know what the seven, number seven represents? Anybody know? Anybody know? Completion. Okay. So the number seven in the Bible is the number that represents what it is to be complete. So God created the, day, the, the world in how many days? Seven. 
And so it was completely done. It was finished. It was, it was everything that it needed to be. And um, so when we think about the word complete, um, uh, Lawrence Richards, a guy that I, I love to get a lot of my stuff from, he, he said it best. So I'm just going to tell you what, how he defines it. The word complete. And sometimes, just you know, sometimes in the Bible it's uh, translated mature. Sometimes it's translated complete. Some tr- t- sometimes it's translated perfect. Okay, well, if you're reading your Bible, one of those three words might be this, this, what this word means. In the biological sense, it means that it's mature and full-grown. It has achieved the potential inherent in its nature. That's what it means. There's potential in the nature of something, biologically. And when it reaches its maturity, its completeness, that's what it is. It's finally there. So, you know, uh, so we, uh, this last uh, spring, um, Susan and I stuck a, a Rose of Sharon tree, you know, in our, in our little yard. And it's about, you know, this big. <laughs> and it's just sitting in there. But when you see a mature one, when you see a complete one, it's just awesome. This spring, right, we'll dig up all the ground and we'll, we'll stick our plants in there in a little bit. They'll, in a little bit, they'll come up. But eventually when they get mature and complete and reach its full essence, it'll start producing something beautiful and fruitful. He says this, the perfect is the thing or person that is complete, in which nothing that belongs to its essence has been left out. It's perfect because every potential it possesses has been realized. Every potential that it possesses has been realized. So you guys, as we think about our marriages today, the potential in every marriage is huge. Every one of them. If you're sitting here today and you're married, you need to know today that the potential that God has for your marriage is unbelievable. And His desire for your marriage is that it would be complete. That the essence that's there, that it would be fully functioning. Now, so let me just share with you a a, a verse here. uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Let me share this. uh, Begin. Let's start with this. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. He says, For in Christ, all the fullness, and there's, there it is again, this fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who's the head over every power and authority. You have been given fullness in Christ. Okay, this, two things, what that means. The first thing it means, you guys, is that we already have everything that we need. So you're sitting here today, and we're talking about marriage, and I know if you're single here today, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to get to you as well here in just a little bit. Again, I was, I was 34 when I got married, okay? I, and in our church back in Detroit, man, we talked about marriage all the time. I heard so many messages on marriage. I, I remember just feeling like, if I can't at least be a decent husband after everything I've heard, you know? Uh, so if you're here, sitting here today and you're single, I, I encourage you to soak all this in. If your marriage is good or whether you're struggling or whatever, take this in because the one thing you need to remember is that in Christ, the fullness, He can give us fullness and completeness. That means two things. Again, we already have what we need, you guys. It's already there. A couple other verses now on your screen, but we, we went through this, uh, this last year in Second Peter. He says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And you guys, I, I think about this all the time. This verse, since we went through it so much last year, Whenever I feel like I don't have what I need, and maybe you're sitting there today thinking about your marriage, you don't have what you need. You do. You have everything you need for life and godliness. 
to your knowledge of Him. And whenever I feel like I don't have what I need, then the reality is, then somehow I'm missing. Somehow I'm missing out on who God is, and I don't know Him completely. But you do. You have everything you need. The second one is in in, uh, Ephesians. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's a past tense. Every spiritual blessing is already ours. And then he says this, So I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. If I want to... If I want to do anything today, I want to encourage every one of you who are married and every one of you who are even considering being married to know you and I have everything we need in Christ for our marriage. We have it. Every spiritual blessing is already ours. It's there. Now, the second thing that you understand, if you read the Bible at all, though, is even though we have it, it's a process, isn't it? It's a process of maturing in our faith, of becoming more like Christ with an ever-increasing glory, which means you actually never get there. (laughs) But you do increase in you becoming more like Christ. And so today, in this series, you guys, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at our complete life, our whole life. We're going to look at marriage. We're going to look at parenting, impacting the next generation. We're going to look at our finances. We're going to look at our health. We're going to look at our work. Because we've been talking about what it is to know God But it's one thing to know him in this little hour. It's totally a different thing to say, no, I know him, and it gets expressed in my marriage. It gets expressed in my parenting. It gets expressed at my workplace. It gets expressed in how I handle my money. It gets expressed. That's what we want to look at your whole life. And so today, as we jump into the most critical relationship, I want to pray what Paul prayed. So let's pray together. I want to pray that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know Him better. Because if you know Him, you have everything you need. Alright? So let's pray together. Father, I want to lift up um, everybody in this room right now who's married. And I, and I want to pray that you would give us hope today. Deep-seated hope today. That we really do have everything we need for our marriage in Christ. In Christ, we have the fullness, the completeness, every spiritual blessing. And Lord, I I just, I know as we share your word today, I'm just going to ask that you might open the eyes of our hearts and reveal to each person in this room what they need to know what, what they need to know for their own situation, their own relationship, and their own heart. And God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, that we will have come to a greater sense of faith and of belief that we have everything that we need to make our marriage complete. And Lord, I want to pray for everybody who's single in here today. And every person who's wondering and hoping maybe that a marriage is around the corner and that there's a hope for a wedding and a relationship of oneness. And I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would go right to their heart and help them to know 
that they too have everything they need. That there is fullness in Christ through you. So Lord, meet us in that place today. And I I pray that you would uh, open up our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the passage uh, I want to teach from, and there's four things that we're going to go through here, is in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Colossians 3, starting with verse 12, says this. Therefore, as God's, holy cho- as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, now this is a passage that's just given to the church. This is actually how we're supposed to treat everybody in this room. This is how we're supposed to treat each other. But obviously, the most important relationship that this has to happen in is the one that we're connected to. So there's four things in here, if you've got your your notes and a pen or whatever, that, that that I think can help us in this deal about being complete. The first one is this. Be complete in Christ. Be complete in Christ. If you're going to have a fully functioning marriage and a a relationship with your spouse that completely works in the essence, the potential that you have with this person to experience everything that God has for you in your marriage, the first thing that has to happen is you need to get complete in Christ. And let's just, thanks for, yeah, let's just go ahead and leave this up here because we're going to dive right through each piece of this. Look at what he says. There's three things that he says when he starts off this passage. He goes, therefore, as God's chosen people. As God's chosen people. The first one, you guys, be complete in Christ. You guys, you know how good it feels to be chosen, don't you? Do you guys remember the playground? That horrible place where everybody's sitting out there and you pick two captains, right? And then they're going to choose the teams. And then one by one they get chosen, right? And man, if you're sitting there, do you guys remember getting chosen? And how good that felt. And then have you ever been the one that wasn't? And then you're the last one sitting there? And you didn't really get chosen, but since you were there, they had to put you on their team? I I mean, I'm telling you, when you are chosen, what that does is immediately it tells you what? What's it tell you? You're wanted. And you're valuable. You guys, and God starts right as, therefore, as God's chosen people. And if you're sitting here today, one of the things you need to know for a good marriage is you've got to know that you are valuable yourself. That you can be complete in Christ, in who you are. Okay? Because we're going to want to look at our spouse to make us feel valuable, and that's very natural. But I'm telling you, to have the first thing to be complete in Christ is to know that you're chosen. And at the altar, every time I do a wedding, I think about that. I mean, when you guys stood at the altar, what were you saying? What you were saying is, there is nobody else on this earth but this one person, and I am choosing them. And on that day, it's the greatest day because you feel like I am valuable. This person right here, you and me, we have got it going. Now, after we choose and we get together, you may start looking to wonder if there's free agency out there, you know? To say, is there, is there a way that I can now, uh, does, does the contract give up after a while? 
And then maybe I can choose somebody else. But you guys, to be chosen and to know that you're chosen by God is huge. So that's the first thing he says. Therefore, as God's dearly loved, uh, as, as, as those chosen by God, and then he says, the next one, holy. And if you're holy, what that means is you are set apart to be his and nobody else's. And, and today, you guys, if you're in Christ and you're thinking about your marriage and saying, man, I want everything that I can have for my marriage, then one of the things you need to think about and remember is that you're holy. You're holy. Therefore, chosen by God, valuable to him, and holy. That means you have been set apart. And I'm going to get to this here in a minute. You've been set apart to live for him, to be like him. In other words, there's a a mission that you have in your life to be holy, to be like God. And then the third thing he says is, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Dearly loved. Now again, I don't know all of you and what you're going through right now, but I'm telling you this is the key right here because every human being was made to be dearly loved. Every one of us is made for that. And unfortunately, the majority of human nature has not experienced this. See, if you're created for something, to be dearly loved, and you haven't been dearly loved, then what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life is you're going to be looking for somebody to be that for you. And see, this often is why we get married. Because <laughs> then we sit there, my heart is empty, my heart is in need, my heart is wounded, and I found somebody who loves me, and then we look to them and we say, now you, feel, fulfill my heart, make me everything that I need to be. And I'm telling you guys, this is when things can get really wacky. I've se- you guys have said this, I've said this about Susie all the time. She is a great spouse, she's a horrible God. And you know what? If you're looking for your spouse to be the one to complete you and to be the one to satisfy you deeply, I I tell you, so many things are going to, it's going to be horrible. It's going to cause so much tension. You have been given fullness in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is yours. You have everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of Him. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are dearly loved. And so here's the key, okay? So if you're single today and you're thinking about marriage or if you're married right now, This is the key right here. Are you looking for someone to fill your empty heart? Or are you looking for someone to pour into out of a full heart? And and the answer to that question is going to be so much of not only our relationships with each other, but in, in, in necessity, our relationship with our spouse. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. And He always looked to the other person. So... Um, this happened for me a little bit when, when I when I met Suze, <clears throat> and uh, and we, uh, we I was in California. She's in Missoula, Montana. We meet at this little place, a conference in New Mexico, and we come together. And I'm intrigued enough by this woman, and God's doing enough in my heart that I feel like I want to go spend a week with her up in Missoula. So so we get up there and we spend a week in Missoula. Now, in, 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 I mean, we don't even really know each other. So you guys remember those first days, right? So what are you doing in those first days when you get together? with somebody else that you're considering that you may want to have a relationship. What are you doing? You are, well, you're talking, well, sort of, yes. As a guy, you're checking them out is what you're doing, right? You're just checking them out. And I am looking for every possible thing that I can see in this woman in a week to see if she might actually be a person that I could spend the rest of my life with. Now, in the first few days, I found some of the essential things. 
I knew she was called to the same type of life I was. I knew that she uh, was a person who would be willing to go and do whatever God wanted her to do. I learned a lot of things about her. But I'm telling you, I had a, a, a critical moment for me that changed everything. I, I can't remember what she was doing. She, she had to work or something. And it was later at night, late afternoon, right, or actually early evening. And I went out and I took a walk. And I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm, I've checked her out and I'm intrigued enough about her. And I'm taking a walk in this field, beautiful place, Missoula. And I'm all by myself and I'm praying to God. And all of a sudden, I totally sense him speak to my heart. And I feel like this is what he tells me. David, this is my daughter. And I love her. Now, if you're a guy, you remember coming to the door, right? <laughs> you know, you're coming to the door to take this girl out. And dad opens the door. And if it's a dad who really loves his daughter, it's pretty, it's a pretty intimidating experience, actually. And see, I feel like I opened up the door and God stood there as her father. He says, hey, Nelson, I love this woman. She's my daughter. And then I felt like he said to me, and I am choosing you to be the one that I get to love her through. Now think about that for a second. This is my daughter. And I love her. And I am choosing you to be the one that I get to love her through. Do you guys see how 180 that is from checking her out and seeing if she's this and is she that and is she this and is she that? See, in one sense, I'm totally looking to see is she going to be the right person for me? And then God comes along because he's so different than we are and he turns it all upside down. He says, no, actually this is about you loving her. And I'm telling you, everything changes, you guys. Everything changes when all of a sudden you realize this is about my love for her and not whether she is giving to me. And so I, I want to encourage you right now. Again, if you're single today, one of the absolute best things that you can do is to be somebody who's becoming complete in Christ. You guys, it, 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 there's, no, there's nothing that's more attractive than somebody else who's sitting there and saying, man, I feel complete. I've got joy. I've got peace. I've got purpose. I've got Christ pouring into my heart. See, then when you meet somebody, you can look at them and say, now, is this somebody that I want to love? Does God want to love this person through me? And as married people, it's no different. I mean, we, we do, man. We get married, and all of a sudden, after we get married, our expectations all of a sudden aren't getting met anymore, and we start looking at the other person, and we forget, no, God did choose you, but he chose you to love the other person. Susan and I did our... How many of you guys did Valentine's? Anybody do Valentine's already last night? All right? Some of you? Is anybody doing it today? All right. Um, guys, you should have raised your hand. Really. So, <laughs> all right. But I, so we went out last night, and we're sitting there, and we're having it. And we, I didn't, and we just... Both of us just looked at each other, and we're just like, man, thank you so much for loving me. And I'm just like, man, what is... Are you kidding me? You're incredible. And she goes, all I can see is my weakness. And then I sat there, and I thought about me. I'm like, man, all I can see is what I'm not for you. And, th- and then what hit me, and I'm just sitting there, and I thought about, you know what? Because we're going to be here for about an hour, right, together today. And we all put on our good church face, and we all look good about each other. And we go, man, you're a great guy, you know? And it hit me, every single one of us will go home. And when we're home, who we really are comes out. And our spouse gets to see that. Our spouse gets to see every weird idiosyncrasy, <laughs> every little thing that we need our way, Every little bit of that in you guys 
If your mentality is not like God saying, love this person, if you're not complete in Christ to love, that person eventually probably will drive you crazy. All right? So that's the first one. Be complete in Christ. Here's number two. He goes on to say this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And you guys, as I, as I think about that one, um, sorry, I just want to look at something here. Okay, yeah, all right. When I, when I, when I think about this, um, clothe yourself with um, I'm so sorry, I, my thoughts went all over the place. Okay. Bear with me. Where am I? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I wrote my notes wrong. Okay, here we go. So, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. No. Oh, there we go. Thank you. There's it. Okay, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, we'll get to the forgive each other with me later after we... All right, forgive me and bear with me because it says so in the scripture. You have to do that with me. All right, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's the second one. Be completely humble. In fact, in Ephesians, there's a, there's a passage that ties together with this one, and that's what it says. Be completely humble. You guys, think about this. Just do that. Just just be humble. I'm telling you, when I thought about these things, look at those. Um, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. G- guys, um, don't those sound like feminine qualities? Do you guys think about that? Don't they? I mean, when you think about those qualities, immediately, I don't know about you, but I think about women. Women are much more compassionate, much more kind, much more humble, much more gentle, and more patient. Right? Would that not be true? Does anybody, anybody think that's true? Okay. See, now the flip side of that, I looked up the antonyms and it's this. Coldness, cruelty, pride, harshness, and irritation. Doesn't that sound like guys? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. You know what's so funny though? Check this out. Later in this chapter, in verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting to the Lord. And then it says, Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Isn't that interesting? Out of all the things, Paul's going to say one thing here in Colossians, these guys. And he says, okay, guys, women, got to submit, okay? Guys, don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. Instead, be completely compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. And, and so um, I, I found this guy... Um, uh, uh, years ago, some of you who may remember him, it was years ago, so most of you I know have not found him. Uh, Susan, I, I can't remember his name. She thinks it might be Mr. What? Mr. Terrific. Um, well, let's pretend he's Mr. Perfect, okay? And so this is a guy that I found at the grocery store line when I was just kept passing through and he was just sitting in there. And so uh, I pushed on him and, and this, the, well, let's put up your mic and this is what this guy says, okay? That awesome. He's so gentle. Here we go. You 
Okay, so this, this is Mr. Perfect. But we, 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 say, we look at this guy, and I mean, his, his, we just know, man, these, these qualities. We look at the difference between men and women, and we just know that this idea of being compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient. You guys, if our marriages are going to be complete, and if they're actually going to be reach the full potential, these are qualities that are absolutely critical. And here's what's interesting. We may look at those qualities and say they feel a little bit more like more women are like that than men. But the reality is every one of these qualities is a godly quality. It's who Jesus is. In fact, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus showed compassion. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Humility is the absolute essence of who Jesus was. Who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took on the very nature of a servant. This was Jesus. Okay? Now, when you look at those, you guys, how can you be those things? Because I just know right now, let's look at these. And again, when a marriage is struggling, coldness, don't, don't nod your head or nudge on these, okay? Uh, these are totally rhetorical questions. Don't get in trouble, all right? Anybody experience coldness? Anybody ever experience cruelty? Harsh words? Anybody ever experience pride? or annoyance, or irritation. See, and so then the Bible comes right around and says, well, just be different, right? Just be completely humble then. Just be gentle, just be patient. And I'm telling you guys, there's no way. How can you do this? The only way that I know that you can do this is to have the one who gives you the fullness inside your heart, the one who is those things. If you center your life, and if you're looking to Christ to fill you and to complete you, then you have a hope of being that. To somebody else. All right? I'm going to bust through these because every one of these things that Paul tells us to do, I feel like is almost important, uh, almost impossible without him. All right? So be, and here's the third, let's go on the third one. First one, be completely, completely um, filled with God. Second one, be completely humble. The third one is be completely gracious. Now I'll get to my verse. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Okay, bear with each other. Now this is marriage right here, okay? Bearing with each other. And this is what it is to be part of the church too, is to bear with each other. Here's what one guy, how he defined it. Putting up with others, even when they fail or act differently from what is expected. Can we talk marriage? Right there. Putting up with others, even when they fail or act differently from what is expected. You guys, you know how much strength it takes to bear with each other? I mean, you get, right? Bear up under the weight. <laughs> See, when we get married, every person we marry is broken and wounded and empty in some way or another. And then when we engage in the same thing with the church, when we get together, every single one of us is broken and wounded and empty and in need and we connect our lives with each other, it can be a weight. And he says, bear with each other, you guys. Endure with each other. That's what it means. It means to endure in spite of these things. So again, Paul, so right now, you might be sitting there in your marriage and just going, man, I, just, I don't know if I can keep going. And the Bible says, bear. Bear. How do you do that? I've got to be complete in Christ. I've got to have a strength inside of me to be able to go to that end. And then he says, Forgive each other. Forgive each other. 
Some of you might be sitting here today and saying, man, that is it. How can I forgive you when you have hurt me so deeply? How? Well, what's it say? You forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, I, and this is the, one of the biggest things. Again, so what has to happen? I need to look at Christ and not myself. I need to look at Christ and not my spouse. And I need to remember, I can't believe everything that you've forgiven me for, Jesus. You have forgiven me for so many things. And then he says, now offer that to your spouse. Offer that to your husband. Offer that to your wife. And you sit there and you go, I don't know if I can do this. You're right. But Jesus can. In this book called Love and Respect, you guys, because here's the issue. When we keep hurting each other and not respecting each other, what happens? It develops this huge cycle where now we look at you. No, you, you make the move. No, you make the move. And then next thing you know, it just gets worse and worse. And in Love and Respect, the guy says, somebody's got to break the cycle. And then he says, who's going to break the cycle? And wh- what does he say? It's the person who's more mature, more complete in Christ. Christ is the answer to give us the ability to forgive when we've hurt each other. All right, so be completely gracious. And the last thing he says is this. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. In one version, kind of a real old school version, it says love is the bond of perfection. Love is the bond of perfectness. Now, what kind of love? Put on love, you guys. Just love each other. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this message today. I'm going, there's, I I think it could actually be really frustrating to hear a message where it says, man, I'm sitting here and my marriage is struggling. Well, then just be completely humble. We'll just forgive each other. We'll just put on love. (laughs) And you can sit there and go, "Well, well, I can't do that. Don't forget. It all starts with Make sure that you remember that you have been chosen by God and you're holy and you're dearly loved. The only way we can love is if we know that we have first been loved. So, to put on love for each other that binds them all together in perfect unity, completely unified, put on love. And I just want to tell you, I, I shared this back in the beginning of January and I'll just share it with you again. Because for me, what that means is this. God's love is so completely different than mine. God's love is so completely different than mine. The love of God is the one who looks at every single one of us and says, remember, when you were still a sinner, when you were still falling short, when you were powerless, and there was nothing that you could do to please me, when you were completely ungodly and you lived in a way that was the opposite of what I wanted you to do. Talk about expectations. He says, in all of those things, that was just the right time for me to love you. See, the love of God, and especially once we get into marriage, we start thinking, man, if, my, if our spouse gets powerless, we want to withdraw our love. And if our spouse starts being ungodly, We want to withdraw our love. And if our spouse starts being sinful and they can't meet the expectation, you know the little contract you did, right, and vows, and they can't meet that anymore, then you want to withdraw your love. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
See, God says, that is just the right time for my love. And I'm telling you, if we're going to have any hope of experiencing life that's complete in Christ, if, in, if, if, if we're going to have the experience of knowing God in our marriages, then you guys, it is way more about your worship, actually, than it is about your relationship. Because what you need to do and what I need to do with Susie is I need to get to a place where I am so focused on Christ, where I'm receiving from Him, where He is filling me up so that I can actually love her. No matter what, even if she is powerless. Which is kind of what it felt like in those early years. Even if she's ungodly. Even if she eventually goes to an enemy. And sometimes, some of you may have been there where all of a sudden your spouse starts to feel like an enemy. And God says, that is when I reconciled you to me. So I'm telling you, what do you need to do today? I I think the biggest thing right now is you need to say, you know what, God? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't be completely humble and gentle and compassionate and kind and gentle. I can't. Right now, maybe you're saying, I can't forgive them. can't do it. And right now you're saying, I can't love them, God. Not the way they are then the first thing you need to do is get before God and say, and confess to Him, but you can't. I can't do this. But I believe that you can. I believe that you can. And I'm telling you guys, if you let God fill your heart with His love for your spouse, things can change. Because He is gentle and patient and compassionate. He is slow to anger and forgiving and gracious. And He is love. And His Spirit, if you've received Christ, is inside you to give you that love for your spouse. And if you can start tapping into that, you will experience the fullness and the completeness of what He has for you. So, band, come on up, come on up, Brad. And, uh, So how we want to close off our service today is to give you and me a chance once again to remember that for me to have a complete life, for me to have a complete marriage, the potential that's in my marriage fully realized, then what I've got to have is the fullness of Christ inside my heart. It has to be filling me up so that I can then pour it out. Not looking to my spouse to fill me, but being filled up by God so I can have that to pour out. And we're just going to worship Him for a few minutes to give you guys a chance in your own heart to be able to resonate with Him, to be able to lift it out to Him, to be able to make Him and say once again, you know what, Jesus, I need you and I need all that you are right now for me to be able to be that person in my marriage. But just remember again, you guys, it is actually more about your worship. You love your spouse. I love Susie because He called me to love her. And if I worship Him, I love my spouse. And so we got to worship Him today, to center on Him, because He is the answer and the reason and the strength to be able to make it. So let's stand together and let's worship.